Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Hey, Restoration Church. Listen, you might have a problem and I've got a solution, all right? So listen, I, I don't know how many of you this affects, but maybe a lot of you. And have you ever found yourself in the place where you have too many friends? It's just overwhelming, right? You're getting invited out all the time, so many social events. And what do you do? What's the cure for too many friends? Listen to me. The Bible speaks to this. It gives great advice for you on how to weed out and thin out and reduce down your friends list. So I'm going to share with you a couple Bible verses real quick. And so write these down, learn these. If you want, put them into practice, and this will help you. You'll have less friends, really, by the end of the week if you do these things. (laughs) So this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So free up your fall, you know, and, and so here's the first one. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We'll be in chapter 16, 17, and 18, right back to back. So if you want to, open up to Proverbs chapter 16, and uh, the first one here is, uh, is awesome, all right? So let's put this on the screen for me. Uh, look at the second part of this verse. Gossip separates the best of friends. Listen, that's killer advice, all right? So one like subtle way, you could go to someone and deliberately say, hey, I've got too many friends, you're not going to be my friend anymore, but that is a little too forward. The best thing for you to do is to talk about them, share their secrets with other people who aren't your friends, and get the word around. So they'll come to front of, hey, wait, you've been talking bad about me? We're not friends anymore. And then you'll be like, yes. <laughs> the next is in Proverbs 17. So number, number one, too many friends? Begin to gossip. And don't call it gossip. Like, we're Christians. We can call it prayer, all right? Uh, prayer requests. Um, concern, I'm just worried, all right? So you don't have to call it gossip, um, because gossip's sin, but being worried about someone, how could that be sin? Proverbs 17.9, another key, key advice here, all right? Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So listen, too many friends, hold a grudge. And I think one of the good things about social media is You can get offended, um, and you can uh, begin to dwell on that and think on that over and over again. Really, every time you open Instagram or Facebook, Facebook, you can begin to just, oh yeah, their perfect life, and just begin to think about that over and over again. And um, listen, they'll sense that. They'll feel that. And so you're hanging out. They'll know something's off, something's off-putting, something's wrong, and so they'll just stop calling you. They'll stop calling you to hang out. They'll stop calling to ask you for anything. And they'll even stop calling you to share their concerns about someone else that you're friends with. Here's the last one. All right, I'm telling you, this stuff works. The Bible works. Proverbs 18, 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. All right, too many friends. I don't know how many of you that are there. I think after teaching this, I probably have a few less in the room. But 
gossip about them, hold a grudge against them, like don't forgive them about something. Don't do a Matthew 18, don't, don't just, just, just keep that grudge close to your heart. And then last one, argue with them. It's not hard, I mean, election, election cycle just started, right? So it um, shouldn't be hard to find things to argue about. Uh, get heated. I mean, if you're like, the, the, the bottom lip should be tucking under your front teeth because you're so furious about what they believe and you're so adamant about what you believe. Listen, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you got too many friends, do this, do this. And you'll, you'll be free, free from, free from obligation. No one's gonna call and ask you to move. Like, it, it's just gonna be so good. Now, for the rest of you, you may have a different problem. And that's one of loneliness, and that's one of saying, I don't know who my friends are. And that's quite a bit of you. 17% of US adults report that they felt loneliness a lot of the day yesterday. So if we were to take a poll right here, how many of you felt lonely for a lot of the day yesterday? Most of the day yesterday, that's gonna be 17% of the US are gonna say that's 44 million Americans would write that. Now, particularly of note, young adults age 24 and under, they score uh, the highest of the age demographics of feeling lonely just the previous day, and that is 30% of young adults. And then, so if you're, um, if you're an American, all right, and you're under age 24, or you live in New England, New England is a region of the country that, it, that marks and ranks the highest loneliness score. So 20% of the people in New England would score that same thing. I felt lonely most of the day yesterday. And these other scriptures that Solomon wrote in Proverbs, you don't quite understand, but maybe this one that he wrote, you do get. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number six. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? You probably want to shout amen there, but don't. Because you do have some people in the room like, wait a minute. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those conversations where um, I, this happened to me, actually. I, um, I, it just popped into my mind. <laughs> but I was at a pastor's group, and one of the pastors in the group was saying, I don't have any friends. You just pray for me that I have some friends. And I remember sitting there like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> I guess I was, yes, I'll pray for you. Um, and I'll stop texting you too. That's, I'm sure that's in a proverb here. So he did it. He's an expert at this. What do we do? I can't find a reliable friend. I can't find a loyal friend. I'm in New England. It's hard to make friends. I'm feeling lonely. The culture here, it, you, you know, I'm at church. I can't seem to push past. I'm an introvert. Maybe connecting to last week. I'm stuck. I don't have friends. What do we do? It, do we just give up? Is that what we should do? Is that the best option for us? And I think for many of us, we do get there. We just give up. Like, hey, this is too hard. It's too complicated. Um, and so I'm not going to try anymore. But I want to challenge you with something uh, something different, all right? Not to give up, not to stay lonely, not to disengage, not to just be alone, 
but to enter into friendship, to try to make friends, to allow yourself to get stabbed in the back by some people who are putting into practice the first part of this message, but to take a risk. Our, our focus tends to be when we're looking at friendship is we're looking at other people, and I want us to just flip that around and to, um, to, to just evaluate ourselves, to think about ourselves. And I, wanna, I want you to think and ponder this question. Next uh, slide for me. I want you to think about this, about yourself. How can I be the friend I need so that I can have the friends I need to have? How can we be the friends we need so we can have the friends we need to have? Because we need friendship. We need, we need friendship. We need people to talk to, people to pray with, people to, to get help from, people to laugh with, people to have inside jokes with. We, we need friends. But So how do we become that friend in order to have those friends? I remember, oh, who knows, 15 years ago, maybe longer than that, having a conversation with some family members of mine, and, and they were lamenting. Uh, they, were, they were Book of Jeremiah. They were, they were lamenting. They were, oh, you know, the problem, like friends and church and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and so I was listening and listening, and I remember saying to them, well, listen, what, what, how are you involved in this? What are you doing? Who have you asked who out to coffee? Who are, who are you, you know, outside of Bible study saying, hey, you want to connect? Or a bunch of us to go to the movie. Would you want to go too? Who are you? How are you? And both of them stood there silent. Well, I'm not really. Okay. Listen, how can you be the friend you need to be? so that you can have the friends you, you need to have. How can you do that? How can you be that type of person? How can you be the friend to others that you wish you, ha you, you had yourself? I want to um, go through, we're gonna continue to be in Proverbs so you can flip back and forth with me. And I'm gonna talk through four practices or four behaviors or four qualities depending on which, uh, how, you know, how we go through this, but, but these four practices for you to put in your life, things to become, things to do that will help you to be a friend, not to get friends, not to have, find better friends, not to upgrade your friends, but to be a friend. And so here's the, here's the first thing, um, and we'll... Read this in Proverbs 17, 17. But one thing that you need to do is to be constant. Constant. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, and I'll read it out of the ESV. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. Constant. They're constant. What does that mean, they love at all times? Well, they, one thing it means is they love at all kinds of times. They love you when things are good. They love you when things are bad. 
They love you when you're poor. They love you when you're rich. They love you when you're poor again. They love you when things are ordinary. They love you when things are routine. They're available to you. They're constant. You, they know you and, and, they, and, they, and they want you to know them and you know that you can count on each other for something. You're useful to each other. Another scripture speaking toward this is in Proverbs 18, 24. And it says, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Constant. I'm by your side. I'm with you. I won't turn my back on you. The second thing is carefulness. Carefulness. And you see your friendship as not as a, and your friend not as a means to an end. I'm going to become friends with this person so they can help me become friends with their other friend. I'll become friends with, you know, a single, I'll become friends with this girl so they can introduce me to their cousin. Um, you know, it, you're not using people, but you're seeing the friend as the end. Relationship with you. Not for any personal benefit of what it could do for me. No, relationship with you. Proverbs 25 chapter, uh, Proverbs 25 verse 20 says this, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. Part of carefulness is this practice of empathy, this practice of concern, this practice of awareness. And scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And, and, and so there's, you know, I'm rejoicing, my friend's mourning. How do we share in that? How do we take turns in that? As opposed to just kind of like, um, you, you know, someone's going through something difficult and we're just, don't even care. We, we don't have any concern. We're not even worried about it. Um, I remember when I was in college, Studying to, be a, studying to be a pastor, Bible college, and everybody there is kind of studying to do the same thing. And there was this guy at the college uh, named Jeff, and he was like Eeyore. He was like Eeyore. He, uh, man, he was always down in the dumps. Everything was always bad. And I tell you what, Nate Gagney, freshman year of college, was like a, like an energy drink. It was just energy and whatever. And I remember walking across campus and I could see Jeff coming. So it's just the two of us and we're a long ways off, but I know, you know, we're about to have this interaction. So I'm walking and uh, probably kind of like that, actually. Something, something, I was probably just lit up on adrenaline. Something funny happened. A great class. I was just in a good mood. Nothing was going to stop me. And um, start walking by and I'm like, hey, Jeff, how's it going? And he drops his shoulders and stops. He's like, it's not going good today. And I'll never forget. I don't know. I was like, bummer, <laughs> and just kept on going. And listen, 
singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart. That's not what a friend does. Hey, I'm hurting, I'm difficult. Well, listen, I remember this old ditty from Mary Poppins. Here we go. <laughs> Super casual friend. Like, you'd be like, get out of here. What kind of, who am I? Friends, we're careful, right? We're emotionally, they're emotionally sensitive to you. We're emotionally sensitive to them. And we're committed to each other's emotional flourishing, right? We're not putting each other down. We're not entering into drama. We're, we're careful. We're concerned. We're deliberate. Number three is candor. Candor is probably best described as truth-telling. You're not lying, you're not ha telling half truth. Um, you don't have to hide things from each other. And there's uh, a couple of scriptures about this, but Proverbs 27, we'll read verse number five and verse number six. First part is, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. And we can stop there for a second. Being rebuked isn't fun. All right, being rebuked is not a good time. Anybody ever been rebuked for something before? Yeah, uh, correct it. Like your teacher could rebuke you in school. Um, someone might rebuke me for being so mean to Jeff in college after service here. Being rebuked is not fun. Hey, you're wrong. You're in error. Er error. Remember Jesus rebuking a few times. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. All right, pretty strong rebuke from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Didn't feel good. But a rebuke is better than hidden love. I don't know if you ever experienced this in middle school or high school. You find out years later that boy or girl had a crush on you. And you're like, oh, I had a crush on them too. Why did they ever tell me? Hidden love? What a, what a, what a waste. But rebuke, though we, though we hate it, truth-telling, though it's difficult, it is important. The second part, verse number six says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And we can think through Judas coming to Jesus and greeting him with a kiss on the cheek and saying, Rabbi, and kissing him, and then knowing that Jesus had betrayed him the whole time, and that was the sign for the soldiers to know which man to arrest. Tim Keller um, is now, he's passed away earlier this year, but he was a pastor and author, and he, he, he kind of sums up this scripture with this, there are friendly wounds and there are woundful kisses. We don't, like there are wounds that hurt us, but that we, but that, but are, that are a blessing to us. But then there are kisses from enemies that, that, that hurt us so deeply. And what we want to make sure, which category are we living in? Are we a friend? Or are we an enemy saying flowery things, saying nice things, but then actually going behind someone's back, speaking against someone talking bad about someone, ignoring someone. Which are we going to provide? 
candor, truth-telling. This is part of a friendship that creates deep friendship and probably the, maybe the most rare part of friendship because that, that first time you try to truth-tell, I mean, it is frightening. Will, how are they going to react? How are they going to respond? Is this friendship going to survive this conversation? And so you, you have to have that conversation. Hey, can I speak to this? Would you allow me to speak into this? Scripture says, hey, we've got, my feelings were hurt. I, I feel like you may have. And to have that conversation, sometimes we think, wow, I love them too much to tell them the truth. And we, what we just read here, right? Covering up the truth is the same. Covering up the truth is the same as the work of an enemy. You want friends who are able to say, hey, you've got some spinach in your teeth. Who say, hey, <laughs> that one's too close to home. Hey, your fly's down. Like, that's probably the fear <laughs> on Sunday mornings here. You friends who are, who are speaking the truth, friends who are helping you, friends who aren't afraid. One of the things that we do at, at Restoration Church is we have band auditions. And part of candor and truth-telling is to be able to say, sorry, you need to keep practicing. Sorry, you need to become proficient in this area. So practice this area, come back, audition again. That's, shouldn't anybody be allowed? Well, again, for candor, for deep, for, for deep relationship, there's got to be candor. And candor, we act in, we, we, we use uh, simultaneously with carefulness. So the, I'm just telling it like it is. I'm just saying. Like, that's not, that's not friendship, all right? You're just a jerk. You're a jerk, all right? You got to understand that. So I just tell, I tell everybody the truth. Okay, listen, take a sock, unroll it off your foot if you need to, put it in your mouth, practice being quiet for a little bit. Candor is a blessing, though not always received as a blessing at first, but you walk through it simultaneously with carefulness. The painful words I'm going to share are going to be painful for me as well. And you begin to delicately, politely, and open-handedly share what you need to share. Open-handed means you're not going to be mad at them if they don't do what you say. Then if you're all of a sudden like, I'm going to tell you, I just need to tell you this, and now you need to do what I'm telling you to do. Well, that's not friendship. That's toxic. Here's the last one here. Um, so these four qualities or practices, it, um, it is counsel. So we're constant. We're careful. We, we're, we're candid. We, we have candor. And then we provide counsel. Verse number 27 or excuse me, chapter 27, verse number nine. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. 
The pleasantness of one's friends comes from the counsel that they give. And this is, again, sometimes we don't like to get advice. Uh, I think we should be probably careful who we get advice from. Some people just like to get advice from everybody. They don't do anything. Because advice seeking makes you look good. And so you just get advice from a lot of people and you look good. Like, wow, that person always gets advice. Okay, but what what do you do with it? But when we counsel each other, when we seek counsel from each other, this is a, 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 a sweetness, Scripture says. A sweet as perfume. We don't think about this, right? So, you know, we don't think about this with our buddies that we're cutting wood with on the weekend and playing softball with and watching football with. Like, oh, this is so sweet to get some counsel from him. Like, we're not thinking and communicating that way. But you've got to recognize that, that it, it, it's life-giving. And so part of what we're doing is sometimes we're confiding each other. There's maybe some secrets that we share. Hey, can I be honest with you? I've been facing this temptation. I I don't think I've ever faced it before. I've been facing this temptation. Hey, I, I don't know what to do. We're going through a hard patch. My kid, he's, and these are, because we're, what we're trying to do, we're, so often we're keeping up appearances, we're trying to pretend we're something we're not, we're perfect, we're, but friendship, we're honest with, we're getting counsel from, hey, how did you guys, how would you, I've got this problem with a coworker, and we're hearing and listening from each other. There are two aspects of counsel. One that we just read. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. The other, a few verses down in verse number 17, says, as iron sharpens iron. And there's a part of friendship, then there's a part of counsel that's not always easy. You think about iron clashing against iron, both making, uh, you, you know, making each other better. That's what we're, we're communicating, challenging each other, pushing each other. Hey, let's become more like Jesus. Let's become, you know, l- l- let's become more active. Let's not just show up at church together. Let's study the Bible. Let's grow together. Let's um, influence our friends. Let's influence our, 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 our workplace Let's become more like Jesus. Hey, you know, I, I've been recognizing you've been talking and, and losing your patience with your kids. And yeah, okay, I, I see that. Thank you for pointing that out. And, and out of the things that you see that you could point out, and, and you're pushing each other, challenging each other, helping each other get better, and it's deliberate, it's on purpose, and, it's some, and it sometimes involves some clashing, just deep honesty. So there are... These moments when we counsel, when it's uh, pleasant and sweet, and then there's these moments of counsel where it's clashing. This is deep friendship, real friendship. The, the thing for us, right, 
We've got childhood friends, college friends, coworkers, church friends. But one of the things we want to be thinking of is who are the friends that are leading me toward Jesus? And is my friend group, because we, we should all have friends of, of you know, different kinds of people, but are my closest friends, or is the, the, the sum of my friend group leading me toward Jesus or leading me toward apathy? And I think sometimes we've got to recognize, wait a minute, every time I get in trouble, every time I sin, every time I disengage from church, these friends and my interaction with these friends, it, it seemed, they seem to go hand in hand. And I'm not telling you that you need to clean out your friends list, but I think maybe you just need to... Uh, Arrange, rearrange the depth chart of your friends list. So uh, in a football depth chart, it's like, here's your starting quarterback, here's your backup, here's your third backup, and then, you know, in hockey, here's your goalie, here's your backup goalie, here's the janitor that was 42 that played goalie for a game, I don't know if you saw that, um, the emergency guy who's never played before. It, it's a backup. And so what you're going to say is, okay, my best friend is the one that I keep getting drunk with. My best friend is the one that I keep talking bad about my husband with. My best friend is, is, is the one that, that, uh, you know, that I, I keep quitting church or I'm ashamed of my faith. Or... So I'm, just gonna, I'm not gonna cut them from the team, but I'm just gonna move them. I'm just gonna rearrange this list here a little bit. Because I need my closest friends to be ones that are leading me in the call of God in my life. I need my closest friends to be the ones that I'm engaged with on the mission of God. And I'll just do uh, just a quick uh, uh, dating advice here. Scripture says in business and in relationships, don't be unequally yoked. And you think that a relationship with someone who's not a Christian is not going to be a big deal. But our relationship and ultimately our marriage, that person can and can, should be and can become your best friend in your whole life. But how do you share a best friendship with someone when you've been saved and you follow Jesus, and they do not believe he exists. You can't have candor. You can't have counsel. It becomes a block in that relationship. Then I know some of you, you're married, your spouse isn't a follower, and I think you can testify to the challenge that that is. So I'm not putting anything on you, but you're dating someone and not a Christian, guess what? If you're here together, guess what? You should probably just go out to lunch and break up. All right, that'll be t your testimony Tuesday on Facebook. Hey, we broke up. Amen, praise the Lord. But if you're not dating someone, it becomes, it, it becomes question number one. Do you follow Jesus? No, thank you, goodbye. 
You know, well, they feel, I, you know, I should at least find out if they're a good guy. No, you shouldn't. I need to, well, they're, but they're so pretty. Who cares? I think there was an Amber Heard joke in there somewhere. As I come to the end here, there's, so what do we do? What do we do? Go back to that first statement. How can we be the friend we need to be so that we can have the friends we need to have? How do we do that? One is you've got to make a decision to meet some other people at church. You've got to figure out how to do that. Um, We talked last week about you're introverted. Set a 10-minute timer. When service ends, click that timer and go stand in the lobby for 10 minutes. Don't just force yourself to stay a little bit longer than you want to. So you could have a chance to just say, (laughs) uh, you know, ask someone, hey, what's your name? Perfect, time's up! (laughs) And then, and bolt. (laughs) I did notice a lot of, uh, a lot more skid marks in the, uh, (laughs) in the um, parking lot. I was going to make a uh, lactose intolerant joke about kids' church, but. The one practical thing for you that you may fight against and that I think is important, an important part of our spiritual growth is being involved in a circle. You, maybe you've heard of circles, maybe you're new here. What are circles? Circles are essentially Bible studies that happen at the church or in people's homes at different places, different times of the week. And, and we talk about this, not every year, but over the years, because we've been doing circles now for 11 years, we've heard it all. Oh, I went to that circle, it didn't fit. All right, well, then you go to another one. I tried, it didn't work for me. Listen, you've got to be committed to be the friend you need to be. Sometimes we're, we, we think about, uh, you know, I, I've got enough friends, I'm good. But what we forget is, that one of God's assignments might be you providing friendship for another person. So it's not, the, the Christ following life is not about, I've got everything I need so they can fend for themselves. The Christ life is, we read in the books of, uh, book of Acts, they shared everything in common. And so we're, we're creating some spots, some positions in our life to help we help other people make friends and make friends with each other and to have that community. The outcome of circles is community and friendship. But also has this great spiritual benefit of discipleship, becoming more like Jesus, which is our goal and our desire. The last thing for you, if you're new to church, you've never believed in God or never followed God, this amazing thing here that God invites us to, and it's friendship with Him. And that's like a foreign concept to people who've only, who, 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 you know, maybe they grew up in a really strict, angry church, um, or, or they've only ever kind of interacted with God through South Park. Uh, it's like, I, don't, I didn't know God would be my friend. I didn't know God, I could be friends with God. I thought I'd just live my own life to get God to not be angry at me. And that isn't what he wants at all. He wants friendship with you. He wants community with you. He wants to talk to you. 
He wants to listen to you talk. And he wants friendship with you so much that it was part of the rescue mission of sending Jesus to earth. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, we have this great idea and this great picture of what Jesus wants from you. It says that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He's showing up, they're hanging on a walk, they're talking, they're interacting, they're laughing. They're asking questions, they're hanging out. God wants that friendship with you. Will you close your eyes and let me pray for you? And you've got a choice to make. How are you going to engage and participate? One of the things you can do is take your, uh, take your app. Don't do it now because I'm going to pray for you. But when service is done, take out your phone. Get the church center app. And one of the bottom tabs of the church center app is, uh, it says groups. Click on that. Click on circles. And sign up for one. And there's, all, again, all kinds of excuses. Um, sign up for one. The ones that are at the, at the, um, the building, so there's one, should be one happening at every location on Wednesday night. Those ones are unlimited in size, so they won't close. All right? So if, if you, every other one gets full that's at someone's house, Wednesday night it's open, and uh, just come in, plug in. If you work every other Wednesday, come every other Wednesday. If you don't know your schedule, sign up and come on the weeks you don't work. Just make the commitment to be here when you can be here rather than just giving up and saying, it doesn't work, it's too hard, it's too difficult. Jesus, I pray for those in here who never put their trust in you. They've never believed in you. And I ask as they sit in their seat right now, as they watch online right now, they'd ask you to be their friend. And God, that they would just begin to confess, they'd be, they'd be candid with you about the things going on in their life, the things they've done. They'd ask you to forgive them, and we thank you, God, that you will. Then they'd ask you, Jesus, to be their Savior and their God. And Jesus, the friendship begins now, and we thank you for that. God, I pray for, relation, for Restoration Church. Man, I pray that everybody would have not just a friend here, they would have friends here. God, that something would break free, break through in our church. And that the, man, that the, <laughs> that just connecting back to last week, this excuse of being introverted, God, it will not win anymore. God, that the big, growing up in New England and, and the culture we have in New England about privacy and, uh, and, and God, that, that won't win over your word and your scripture and what you're, you've called us to. God, that apathy won't win, that we won't just be content to show up at church sometimes on Sundays, but God, we'd be just so committed to following you, learning about you, growing more like you, growing more in love with you. And God, that no one at Restoration Church would feel alone, would battle loneliness, break these problems in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we would ask 
we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Unite us in that common bond. May we care for each other. May we love each other. May we serve each other. May, may we sacrifice for each other as you've called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.